and what's going on. And uh, I, I, not even a dark hotel room. I've done it in the middle of the day. I've been at a job site and somebody called and said, what are you doing? And I'm like, hold on a minute. And I literally had to think about what state am I in? Not like middle state, but what state of the United States am I in? And where am I? You know, because <laughs> I just did not know. But it's, it's, it's amazing how when it gets dark, though, the confusion is, is even more, it's, it's more pronounced. Uh, woke up early the other morning. It was yet dark with this, I'm like, waking up, what on earth? Well, some idiot lets our dog in the house. And it's not Sherry, it's me. And he sleeps in the house at night. And uh, and uh, I don't know what happened, but about 4.15 in the morning or 5 in the morning, he started howling. And it's dark and I'm woke up and I'm like confused of what's going on, right? And then I'm like, you idiot. And then I'm like, get over here, lay down. You know, and he comes, has to go lay down and then... I get up to go find him, and in my confusion, I, of course, like a child, he leaves this antler in the middle of the floor that he's been chewing on, and I step on the antler, a piece of an antler that he found out in the woods. It's kind of neat. I mean, just, I'm telling what I'm saying, dark times, right? <laughs> they just bring confusion, don't they? They really can. And we're living in a day of utter confusion, it seems like. I mean, think about where we're at here. Wrong is right. Right is wrong. People don't know what right is uh, and what they, what, they, what they are doing is wrong. They think it's right. It's crazy, right? I mean, you, you can ask a, a Supreme Court justice, can you define what a woman is? Well, I'm not a biologist, right? Wow. How hard is this? I mean, this is, and, and the woman's not dumb, friend. You don't, I don't care. I, I don't care how much wisdom you lack. I mean, she's uh, just, um, just intellectually brilliant, okay? And of course, we know that was political. She knows what a woman is. She just can't say it, right? But this is what comes in darkness. It's just, just crazy confusion, right? We're told, believe the science. Believe the science. Put on a mask and do this and take a jab and alter your DNA and do all of these things. But when you say, well, a man is a man and a woman is a woman, well, don't believe the science, right? This is confusion, right? They don't want to believe the science when it comes to the gender thing, but they do want to believe the science when it's really not even accurate. So, I mean, we're just living in a really confusing time, amen? I mean, I could go on and on about the confusion that we're living in, the dark times that we're living in. You can murder a baby in the womb, but but take it, you know, a few inches outside of the womb, I mean, and then it's murder and you'll go to jail. Well, that's confusion, why, why is it just the darkness that we're living? We're facing attack as Christians. We're just facing more and more attacks in this dark times, right? I mean, if, you, if you're on the Internet at all, and it's, and it's really depressing, probably just shouldn't be. But I'm telling you, I mean, it is just the dismantling, the dismantling of Bible-believing Christians, right? They're all hypocrites. They're all pedophiles. They're all abusers. You know, you have certain people that used to be in a group. And so now they go out and they start a page of, you know, stop IFB abuse and this and that. Uh, there was a video I saw this, this, this guy, that's all he does is his whole heading of everything that he posts on his Twitter feed is stop IFB, independent fundamental Baptist, stop IFB abuse, right? That's all he does. Uh, it's supposedly exposing abuse, right? Which I think abuse should be exposed if it's brushed under the one. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, right? I mean, this is some of the issues. This is probably why this guy has a platform is because churches walked away from church discipline like they should have and proper church discipline. But one of the videos he posted was a couple guys and and uh, 
And I, I just had to ask. I mean, when you looked at the, the music intro, when you look at the subject matter they were talking about, and supposedly one of them was about, it was all about covering up abuse, and I said, are these IFB? Well, they weren't. And I said, well, that'd be wonderful if you're against, I'd be against all abuse. I think we should be against all abuse, right? And, but I'm just saying, what is it? It's an attack. They're just, they're, they're people that have taken on this thing to attack. You know, you're called a hypocrite. You know, I was just talking to a lady the other day on visitation two or three weeks ago, whenever it was over here, and she just right off the bat, she said, well, I think, I just really believe most hypocrites or uh, Christians are hypocrites. I said, I, I think I'd probably have to agree with you. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, there's hypocrites at the gas station. There's hypocrites at the grocery store. There's hypocrites, uh, I don't know, all over Washington, Right. And uh, you think there's Christian hypocrites? I, absolutely. And I, you know what I told her? I said, you know what's interesting? Nobody likes hypocritical Christians. But then when I preach holiness and separation, try to get us, and I said, nobody's perfect. We're, we're all sinners. But when I preach a way to try to get us not to live like hypocrites, well, we're told that we're just, you know, we just, we're, we preach too much and we're just judgmental and legalistic. It's like, well, what do you want? Do you want hypocrites? Right? Or do you, I, I just, what am I saying? It's dark confusion that we're living in. It really is. And we know this, that God is not the author of confusion. Amen? So what does it mean? If we're living in a dark time, if we're living in times of confusion, it is because people have moved farther and farther away from God. Because God is not the author of confusion. So the question is, how do we navigate in a time like this? Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes you just, you know, you want to say very unchristian things. I was at, I was at the Lowe's today and, uh, <laughs> and trying to get stuff for the building over there. And I was looking at these cabinets that they had just taken down off a of display. And I thought, oh, maybe we get those for cheap or free. Well, we couldn't because they said they didn't sell them. But anyway, but the two guys that were putting them up and they were two guys, right? But the one wasn't, but he was. But he had his hair back, and he was talking real squeaky like a girl and prancing around. And he was just a fat guy. I mean, you couldn't deny it. This guy, and the other guy helping him, I looked over at him, he goes, uh, kind of rolled his eyes. I'm like, just, and you, I'm, I'm telling you, they, he needs Jesus Christ, but if you're not careful, man, I'm telling you, you just want to say stuff sometimes. It's like, what is the deal? And sometimes it's hard to know how to navigate today. Right? So, I mean, you, you, you don't, you, you don't want to enables this type of stuff but then again you don't want to be you you want to have an open door to share christ because that's exactly what they need and i'm telling you it can be it can be you live in a dark time and it can even be confusing to us at times to know what we ought to do right we've never lived at a time like this i love whenever you ask talk to brother bob healy about his age and he goes i've just never been this old before i've just i've never been this old i don't know what to do right <laughs> and it's like, well, that's how I feel in 2023. We've never lived like this before. And sometimes we just don't know what to do, right? There's people out there, they're blaming Trump for mishandling COVID. It's like, remember that it was called a novel virus? What's that mean? New? Because we did, I love these armchair guys now at election season are saying how awful he was and all the, and how he handled. And of course, I, not, not everybody liked how things were handled, but it's like, well, you do better, Right. Yeah, the, the person behind the screen that in the basement typing things out that, you know, probably has achieved nothing in life. You know, they're, they're always the experts, right? 
And uh, we don't, but we don't. We don't know how to navigate like this. And I want you to turn to Psalm 23. <clears throat> you thought, oh, I didn't know if we were going to get to the Bible or not. We got there. Psalm 23. And really there is, I don't know a right word for this, maybe a trilogy you could call it, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. They kind of connect. I I mean, there's a neat progression here. There's a neat picture here between the three of them. And I've kind of wrote it down this way. Psalm 22, you have Jesus as the lamb slain. Psalm 23, you have the lamb slain becomes the shepherd. In Psalm 24, you have the shepherd becomes king. And I love this. Because if you understand these three psalms together, it makes the 23rd psalm even more precious. It really does. And I want you to, I'm going to show you, first of all, the two bookends between the 23rd psalm. Because this this 23rd psalm, just the the very first uh, verse is going to be our answer tonight of living in confusing times. I'm going to show you this, but I want you to see Psalm 22 first. It, it's the lamb slain. It's, it's the book in the first book in here, the, the 22nd Psalm. Look what it says. Uh, verse 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, Matthew 27, verse 46, the Bible says that Jesus, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Well, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And oh, we could spend all night just uh, just uh, 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 meditating on and digging into that very uh, cry of the Lord Jesus Christ while the father had to turn his uh, back on his son, while he was of pure eyes and to behold evil and could not look upon sin. Jesus, who knew no sin, the Bible says, was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so here we have the Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 22, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That word forsaken there means to be abandoned, means to be deserted, right? Hebrews 4:15. the Bible says, for we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we, yet without uh, sin. And see, when sin was placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, utter darkness and utter separation must have uh, invaded his life that he had never felt before. I, 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 I really hinder, I, I really, uh, I don't want to say he must have felt this or must have done this or must have done that because I don't know. I, I get really nervous when uh, I just was reading something the other day and somebody said, this was not on Jesus' mind. I'm like, wow, that's really amazing that you knew that. I mean, come on. I mean, it was anyway. And I really want to be cautious. But, but I do know this, that word forsaken. Jesus himself said, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you deserted me? Did he, obviously he knew, but he was, he was uh, verbalizing for us, I think, uh, on the largest part of it, to understand that Jesus Christ, God, who put on human flesh to die for our sins, hung on the cross. And it wasn't just the agony. It wasn't just the, 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 the organs that were probably visible. It wasn't the blood. It wasn't, I mean, just the, the desertion from the disciples. It wasn't the rejection. It wasn't the mocking. I, I think the, the largest thing of all of, the, all of the crucifixion that when Jesus said, if it be possible, 
let this cup pass for me, was that he was going to experience a time that from eternity past to eternity future he had never experienced, which was a, a complete, what he would call an abandonment, right? An abandon uh, type of a desertion between him and the Father. I can't explain it. You can't explain it. I can't understand. We will never understand that, that what Jesus felt that day. We will never understand what he experienced that day. In all of his temptations, he wouldn't have experienced this before, right? Abandonment and desertion. Right? He wasn't abandoned, right? It's not possible. I mean, this is where our minds begin to get really kind of, ooh, kind of, how do you figure this one out? Our finite minds struggle with stuff like this. He wasn't abandoned, but that, that, let me say it this way. What happens when sin comes into our life? What happens? We build a wall. Has God abandoned us? No, He hasn't abandoned us. But I'll tell you what, He'll feel like He's a lot of miles away, well, doesn't He? He seems like sometimes you can get so, so far away from God and so far into sin, you can almost feel like you felt when you were, when you were lost. And you'll have people go, I, I'm wondering, you know, they'll come back and, am I saved? Am I this? Am I that? Am I this? Right? And it's, a lot of times it's just sin. Jesus experienced that. Why? Because He was made to be sin for us. And this was the first time in His existence that He experienced that feeling of abandonment. It was not, but He felt it. He said it here, why, is you, why have you forsaken Me? He is experiencing that. Matthew twenty-seven forty-two. They said, He saved others Himself. He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him come down now from the cross, and we will believe Him. Look at verse 7 and 8 of Psalm 22. All they that see Me laugh Me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let Him deliver him, seeing He delighted in Him. This is the Lamb slain, Psalm 22. Sounds awful familiar, doesn't it? Listen to John 19.34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. John 19, look at verse, listen to verse 36. For these things were done, that the Scriptures should be fulfilled, a bone of him should not be broken. Now, listen, now read verse 14. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of... Of my bowels, the lamb slain. Psalm twenty or Psalm twenty-two. Listen to John nineteen twenty-eight. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, "I thirst, I thirst." Look at verse fifteen of Psalm twenty-two. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. I thirst. He was dry. He was dry. Mark fifteen twenty four. the Bible says, And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, that every man should take. And look at verse 18. They parted my garments among them, and cast lots upon my vesture. And so when you look at the 22nd Psalm, you see it. There's no doubt this is the prophetic description of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But now when you skip over Psalm 23, and you look at Psalm 24... We see the shepherd has become king. Look at Psalm 24. We're going to read the whole thing. It's a long one. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hills of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. Look at verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Can I tell you tonight, Jesus is coming back. He is coming again and He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years from the throne of David. And we're going to rule and reign with Him. He has an everlasting kingdom that will not come to an end. He is the King of glory. He is going to rule. Jesus said in the garden when they came to get him, and they said, Art thou Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. And they fell backward, right? And uh, remember what he said to him? He said, This is your hour. And the power of darkness, right? He, what, 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 what is significant about that except that hours come to a close and hours come to an end. And Jesus said, this is your hour. We're living in darkness, amen. We're living in confusion. He said, this is your hour. But I'm telling you, it's going to come to a close someday. And Jesus is going to rule and reign uh, with all power and authority. He's going to put all of his enemies under his, under his feet. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a glad day. I can't wait. Can you imagine? It would, be, it would do us well some days to just spend some time meditating what it's going to be like ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, after that thousand years, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I mean, I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to that, right? But nestled between, watch, nestled between the Lamb slain and the glorified King, nestled between those two, is the day-to-day life with the Good Shepherd. That's Psalm 23. Can I tell you, we're, we are living, as believers today, we're living in an, in, in an in-between time as well. I want you to think this through, right? Salvation, right? If you're here tonight, you've been born again. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You, you remember that day you turned to, the, turned to the Lord and you put your faith in Christ and asked Him to save you. Well, Galatians 2.20, we remember what Paul said. He said, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, uh, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What happened the day that you came to the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation? Well, you died too. The old man was crucified with Christ. You know, he, he, he doesn't have authority over us anymore. And I love that. We could spend a lot of time on that tonight. But watch this. There is our day of salvation but watch verse John 3, 2. We're looking forward to our glorification. Amen. We're going to get a new body. I can't wait for that. Beloved, now are we the sons, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I'm telling you, there there is our day of salvation when we died, and then we're looking forward to the day of, of glorification when we're going to have a new body and we shall never die. But in between those two days, watch. 
We're walking this earth. We're walking this ground. Attached to this flesh. Watch. We're walking in darkness. We're walking in confusion. Yeah. So the 23rd Psalm, watch this. It's not a psalm for the dying. The 23rd Psalm is a psalm for the living. <laughs> Amen. It's a psalm for the living. It's a, it, it, it illustrates, watch, the intimacy between us and the Lord Jesus Christ on a day-to-day basis. Right? While the clouds have come in, while the darkness has set in, while the world is in confusion, and if we're not careful, it comes upon our own life. This is, this is where we're living with our shepherd. And in the opening of the psalm, the man who went from being a shepherd to a king, God has chosen to write about a, the, his God who went from being a sheep to being a shepherd. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? Hey, do you remember what John said? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Remember what the Bible says in Revelation 13, 8, when it talks about the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Do you realize what the, that, that description of Lamb, of the Lamb of God, isn't just for this, uh, for this earthly trod, but He is called the Lamb of God all through Revelation and all, of, uh, all, all the way through, through, through there. He's still called the Lamb of God, right? And I, I, I love that. But, but this is Psalm 22. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That is Psalm 22. But then we see Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought us again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Je- brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You see this? He has gone from a lamb He's gone from a lamb to a shepherd. What does he do? He leads. He provides. He protects. He's a good shepherd. I love that. The good, good, the great shepherd. Can I give a little side note here? And I don't want to I don't want to connect Jesus with our earthly trod too much. But the greatest leaders have always been the best followers. They started out as great followers. Great leaders start out as great followers. The best CEOs, some of the best CEOs started in a mailroom. Some of the best restaurant managers started washing dishes. Some of the best bank presidents started at the teller's window. I had a customer in Oklahoma. She was in her probably mid-40s. Uh, one of uh, a large bank there in Oklahoma City, and uh, at the at the time, she was the bank president. We were we we were working on the signs for a new location, and as she had told me, I started I started as a teller at 16. At 16, here she is. She was in her early 40s. Worked her all the way up to the bank president, and she was very good. She was very good. The greatest leaders are the greatest followers. In Hebrews 2.18, the Bible says, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That word succor means to run to. Oh, listen, don't miss this imagery. To run to and to run to help. Because Jesus willingly experienced 
what, uh, what we experienced because he was first a great follower of his father. He becomes a great shepherd. And listen, he is able to run to and run to help those. I don't know if you have that imagery in your mind if when your children are little or even when they were adults and they called for help and you ran to them. You know, that is, that is the imagery that God wanted us to have. I tell you, and, and they, they never get too old to call for help, do they? Right? <laughs> Got a call last night. What are you doing? Well, I'm working. What are you doing? Well, yeah. I didn't have to go. No. You know. But I was ready to. I said, where are you at? Huh? Right. Where are you at? Well, I'm all the way over here. Let me call, let me call somebody else real quick. But that's what we do, right? Yeah. Can I tell you, this is the type of, the shep- of shepherd that Jesus is? Yeah. Look at the 23rd Psalm, verse 1. I love how emphatic this is. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah, God. Present tense, right now, is, right now, is. My, we're talking about belonging, right? What do little kids do? Mine, 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 right? Even if it's not theirs, right? <laughs> mine. Yeah. Amazing how early they learned that. Isn't that amazing? David said, the Lord, Jehovah, He is, present tense, mine, mine. <laughs> you know, we can say that without being wrong, you know, you might correct a child and go, oh, no, 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 you're going to share. That's not yours. Oh, that's, that's mine. No, that was theirs. You give it back to the. No, we can say the Lord is my shepherd. And God would never correct us because it's true. I love it. And that word shepherd, ownership. You're owned by God. Hallelujah. Because I was once in bondage to Satan and owned by him. And I'm telling you what, I... I, you can't compare the two. I couldn't even come up with a, uh, try to compare the two. I, w- I am gladly owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Notice what he's doing here. Look at what David's doing. David, who himself was a shepherd and a king. He himself was a shepherd who became a king, has relinquished his titles, and has become the sheep belonging to the shepherd. Hey, he was a shepherd and he moved on up. He, he is one of the reasons I think David was such a wonderful king. He was such a great shepherd. And he became a great king. But what David is doing in this first verse, he is relinquishing those titles of king. He is relinquishing those titles of power. And he is, he is saying that he, is, uh, he, he has become the sheep who has belonged to the great shepherd. And in relinquishing his, his rights, notice the four things that he does. These are willing. He places God as the owner of his life. The shepherd owns the sheep, right? 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to glorify Him. What's the word glorify mean? One, one of the ways you can define that is to, is to put on the attributes of someone else. To manifest. So how do we glorify God? Well, we glorify God by, by putting on His attributes. Do you know, listen, you cannot glorify God in secret. 
You cannot glorify God in private. That's, that's, not, the, that's not even what glorify means. It, I mean, if you're going to glorify him, somebody's got to be able to see it, right? Yeah. Number one, David places God as the owner of his life. Number two, David acknowledges his need for a shepherd. Yeah. Sheep need shepherds. Why? Because sheep are dumb. <laughs> Can we all in unison say, Amen. We are close enough. We are dumb. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty smart. I, you know, I don't get me wrong, but come on. We're not very smart sometimes, are we? John fifteen five. Jesus said, "I am the vine; you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing." David acknowledges his need for the shepherd. Notice thirdly, David acknowledges his position as the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. What's he, what is he acknowledging? That he is a sheep. <laughs> yeah. What is that? That's a beautiful, listen, that is a beautiful declaration of humility. Yeah. I love it when, when Solomon prayed at the dedication of the temple. He said, but I'm but a child and I don't know how to come out or to come in. I don't know how to deal with this great people. And God said, oh, I love that. I can help that. Maybe he, maybe he heard his father say that over and again. The Lord is my shepherd. What humility. Oh, but he sinned. Oh, but look at the humility in his, in his repentance. I tell you, that's why God said he's a man after his own heart. I love that. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Number one, David places God as the owner of his life. Number two, David acknowledges his need for a shepherd. Number three, David acknowledges his position as the sheep. Number four, David attributes all provision and care as coming from his owner. I shall not want. What's that mean? I shall have need for nothing. He's saying everything comes from him, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. Well, why, then why do we pray? Well, you know, the majority of the reason why we pray is so we get to know God. Yeah. So watch this. Everything that David did here was of his own free will. He placed God as king of his life. Can I tell you that is the polar opposite of what Saul did. David abdicated the throne and let God be throne of his life. Saul would not abdicate the throne and uh, he fought for it until his own death. And it just, he could have been a great king, but he would not let God rule. And David did. He made God his shepherd. Watch this. He looked to him for everything. Everything. Yeah. He could have attempted to find these things somewhere else, right? He could have t attempted to, as many do, and many, many have, and many still do, and many will. It, it'll never stop. But you know what happens when you attempt to find all of your needs somewhere else? And I'm talking about a believer here, not an unbeliever. You miss the joy and the fellowship with God as you walk along this earth. You miss the presence. You miss that. Watch, don't miss this. When, when, when we depend on the shepherd for everything, we get something greater than the summation of all of our needs. We get his presence. 
We get His presence. Psalm 87. Oh, I quote this all the time. It's one of my favorite. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be. Shall be. He, the, the, it, it goes on to say, all my springs, the psalmist said, all my springs are in Thee. You are the source of everything. I love that. Psalm 1611. That will show me the path of life. The Bible says, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love that. Yeah. You see, what we need to get from this tonight is, when the dark clouds of confusion surround us, we need the presence of our shepherd. We don't always, have you ever been at times when you don't necessarily need anything? You just need, a, you just need Him close. Yeah. We need the presence of our shepherd. Why? He's gone before us. He understands us. He knows the way to go. Watch, He's already successfully gone the way. And then Jesus says, but here is the way, walk ye in it. Amen. Why? Because he's a great shepherd. He's a great shepherd. When I was in Israel, we were supposed to go to a certain place. And our tour guide, I forgot what happened. We, we Timing or something, it wasn't. We were, we were supposed to go somewhere that we didn't get to go. And so our guide said this. He said, he said, told the bus driver, hey, and he told him where to go. He, I, I didn't quite understand it, but he just said, hey, go here. And he goes, I'm going to show you something. And I've, I've told some of you this before. And he said, uh, so we drove through and he drove up this hill and, and we got up. And I, and I wish, oh, I wish I could take you and let you see this. I mean, it was just as far as the eye could see, sand and dirt and hills. And it was in the wilderness area uh, uh, up from the Dead Sea, uh, in Getty, um, Masada, all of that whole area, uh, the way to Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, all of that whole just barren, barren desert. And we drove up this hill and came to this parking place, and we, it was like a little roadside park almost. And we got off the bus, and here comes these Arabs uh, flooding around the bus trying to sell us carpets and rugs and stuff like that. And little kids, they had made beads, and you're like, eh, eh, trying to get away. And... Uh, and uh, we got up and we walked up farther, higher, higher, higher. There's a little bit of little precipice where it's kind of like a cliff. And you looked off and way off, way down on this cliffside was this monastery. And, the, and the, I mean, it was, it would have taken you to hike down there. It would have probably taken you uh, maybe three or four, two or three hours to get down into this monastery carved into the side of this huge cliff. And we're looking over at this and the guide said, this is the valley of the shadow of death. A real place. In the winter time, the shepherds would bring their sheep down to the valleys of the Dead Sea. It was warmer. In the summers, they would bring them back up around Jerusalem in the higher places because it was cooler in the wind. Right? The higher places got the got the got the winds. And this was the path that they took from those lowlands around the Dead Sea back up to Jerusalem and it was the valley of the shadow of death. It was a steep, very narrow, deep ravine. And at many times of the day, the sun never reached the bottom until exactly about noontime. 
But many of the times, a lot of that trail, and if you look down at that jagged trail, if you've ever been out west, if you've ever, ever been in the deserts of Arizona and stuff, and some of these little trails, and they just go straight down the jagged rocks, it's exactly what it looked like. And the shepherd would bring those sheep through that path back up to Jerusalem. And then in the wintertime, bring them back down into the Valley of the Dead Sea. It was dark. It was dark. Sometimes they say it was so dark, the only way the sheep would know what to do was to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Because there was nothing they could see. There's nothing they could see. They had to hear. Which is exactly what we need to do today. See, I just don't know where this is going. I don't mean this wrong, but it kind of doesn't matter. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't either. I don't know how to operate (laughs) in this environment, right? I don't either. But the one thing I do need to know is the voice of my shepherd. This is what David did. He did it by choice. He made God his shepherd. Which is what we need to do today on a daily basis with, with, with intent and choice on a daily basis. Make God our shepherd. What does that mean? We are constantly listening to his voice. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the king of glory. And in between those two, for our day-to-day life, we have a shepherd that guides us. We're going to be glorified one of these days, but we need his voice. We need his voice. How badly do you want the voice of God? How badly do you need that? Do you want I can tell you how badly we need it, but I want to know how badly do you want it? Do you want it? I don't think I need to tell you how to find his voice, do I? I think we're pretty pretty versed. If some if, if you're watching online someday and you don't know what it is, it's just right here. Right. Amen. Yeah. I'm thankful tonight that as dark as it gets, as confusing as that darkness can be, that I can just keep my ear down to the shepherd. I can stay close to him. As cl- watch, as close as I want to be. I love what my dog does. <laughs> I don't know what it is about him. He is the most nuzzling dog. I mean, it doesn't matter. You get up and he, he's got to walk up to you. And he's got to put his head up against your leg. And he's got to rub up against it. He'll walk in between my legs and just sit there and look up. And I mean, he's got to be that close constantly. I get in the truck and he gives me these eyes. He has to go with me. He just cannot stand to be away from me. If I have to go and I can't, I cannot have him come, I'll put him in the house and, and I'll drive off and I'll look at him out that front glass door and he's like, yeah. I don't know if I need to really draw the conclusion there. But wouldn't it be great if that was how, how, desired, how much desire we had to stay close to our shepherd? The sheep would do that, you know. They'll come and they'll nuzzle and they'll get close. And they, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. May God help us as we navigate these times.
just in tune to His voice. Let's not, let's not get distracted by all of the other things going on. Let's not fall into the case of, of fear and worry and wringing of the hands and such as that. Let's just stay close. Let's just stay close to our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. We can all say that. I love that. My shepherd. I shall not want. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're living in some trying times, some confusing times. Not to you. Not to you. You've known this forever. But it may be a little bit new to us. And I'm thankful for our great shepherd who has gone the way before us, who knows the way, who has been all points tempted as we get without sin, who has been victorious, and who's leading us today. Father, would you help us please? So many distractions. So many distractions. Would you help us please? To stay in touch with thee. Would you give us a new hunger and a thirst for your word? Would you give us a desire? Help us that as we look at this, that it would create in us a desire and a hunger just for your presence. That we would put away those things that, that lead us away from the closeness to you. That we would see them for what they are. That your Holy Spirit would help us to see them for what they are. And that we would put them aside. That we could stay closer to you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And a few bars of him we're going to play and invitation is open however the Lord's spoken to you tonight is there anything that has gotten in between you and the shepherd anything that has come up that has been noisier so noisy that you can't hear his voice anymore is there anything that's drawn you away from the word of God from his voice and it's left you confused and dark would you get back to that tonight You know, at times those sheep can walk walk along that valley floor and walk along those cliff sides, and they've done it before, and and uh, they can feel like they've got this just fine. But there can always be times when they come along when the darkness comes in, and what they thought they had because they've done it before, they realize, uh oh, I'm in a problem. And it's at those times they desperately need the voice of the shepherd. Hey, listen, you can be trucking along through life at different times and really think you got it. But when you need the voice of God, I'm telling you what, you're going to want to hope there's nothing in between you and Him that's keeping you away from Him. Stay close. Stay close.
I just told a young man this afternoon over on our church property, they were working and, uh, and, uh, just young guy, more metal in his face than probably in your car. <laughs> Sad, tattooed up, 23 or four years old, no direction. And, uh, I said, you know, it's amazing how true the Bible is. It's always right always right now we're living in a day when we're seeing that it's always right and he said yeah yeah i saw something about uh you know there's people that are getting marks in their hand to pay with yeah he said the bible already told us about that two thousand years ago yeah two thousand years listen it's all right here it's always right the word of god is always right and uh gave him a tract said uh put this away when you get home tonight read that would you and uh had a great conversation with him Pray for him. Pray for another young man. Uh, two days ago I talked to him on our property. I love when the Lord brings these people to our property. I believe his name is Daniel. I have to look it up. He gave me his phone number and everything. And uh, pray for him as well. 20-year-old young man needs to be saved. And, uh, yep, yeah, Daniel, pray for him. And.